0: This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. I'm Greg Musselman. 2022 is on pace to be a record year for violence against Christians in Nigeria. The Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project recorded 31 attacks on churches and people linked to them in 2021. And halfway through 2022, there have been more than 23 separate attacks on believers in Nigeria. The attack on a church in the southwestern part of the country on Pentecost Sunday in early June and an earlier kidnapping of Samuel Canoe, who's the head of Nigeria's Methodist Church, captured the world's attention. But sadly, events like this are all too common. Joining me to talk about the situation facing Christians in Nigeria is Emmanuel Ogebe. Emmanuel is an international human rights lawyer specializing in African issues. He is also the special counsel for the Justice for Joss Project US based in Washington, D.C. Emmanuel, thank you for joining me.
1: Hey, thank you very much for having me, Greg.
0: Now, we did a podcast together not that long ago, but the violence against Christians continues. And so there's a number of things that we're going to talk about. But first, there were some attacks on a couple of churches on Pentecost Sunday. And hundreds of Christians were gathered at the St. Francis Catholic Church in the southwestern state of Andu. And the service interrupted by gunshots and explosions. Uh, Tell me, Emmanuel, what you're hearing about what had happened there.
1: Well, uh, you know, this was the worst fatality in an attack in southern Nigeria uh, ever, actually. The majority of the atrocities have occurred in northern Nigeria. So this was a very rude shock. And over 40 people at a minimum have been confirmed killed. Uh, The burials were just five days ago. And some of the victims were as young as 11 years old. And uh, some of them were as old as uh, 80. There was an elderly couple, you know, husband and wife, uh, who were were both murdered that day. There was a father and son. Uh, You know, he was shielding his son with his hand uh, from the attackers, and both of them were killed. Uh, It was a really horrific uh, uh, attack.
0: And you know, you mentioned southwestern Nigeria, and that's what caught my attention as well, because from what I understand, this is an area there have not been attacks, it's been relatively peaceful. Uh, We hear more stories about the north, and of course we're going to talk about northern Nigeria and and some of the things that have recently happened. Why do you think that this uh, attack took place in a part of the country where they're not used to that kind of violence?
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, The jihadist are making a push for the whole of Nigeria. Okay. And so for a long time they have dominated the north with their violence, while stealthily creeping into the south of Nigeria. And you know, in the intro, you mentioned the abduction of the prelate of the Methodist Church in Nigeria. Literally, the topmost uh, cleric of the Methodist Church was abducted. I think it was while you were, you, you were in Nigeria. You and I were in Nigeria. And he said that the terrorists told him, we occupy all of the forests in southern Nigeria now. And so that was a really chilling uh, admission to make. And it seemed like they wanted to do a brutal show of force, a shock and awe, if you want to call it that, to show that, yes, we are in southern Nigeria, we have capacity, and we are here to stay. Remember that they did not abduct people for ransom.
0: No, you they know? just came in and killed people. They, In they fact, as people were trying to escape from the church service, they were shooting at them. And, I mean, the, the level of violence is is brutal. And, and I think it's important that people maybe understand before we continue on here, Emmanuel, There are kidnappings, and sometimes that's related to getting money or to, you know, take these girls, force them into Islam and marry them off to Boko Haram soldiers. But with the Falani, it seems to be a different kind of uh, violence.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, And, you you know, this was clearly, you know, just uh, a bold statement to say terror has come. We're here and we can do in the South exactly what we have done uh, in the North. And and that is really chilling. It's a horrific message uh, to Southern Nigeria that they cannot be spared from the atrocities and the agonies that have been going on in, in, in in the North. Now, let me point out, you know, Greg, that that same Pentecost Day, when this attack occurred in Southern Nigeria, there was also another attack in southern Kaduna in northern Nigeria.
0: Right, yes. That happened, yeah, June and, 5th. Yeah.
1: Yes, and not only was the church attacked and destroyed there as well, but over 30 people were killed, and the survivors say that a Nigerian Air Force helicopter aided the terrorists in attacking the Christians. And so that's another level a new level of uh, persecution uh, going on here. I, and, and, you know, Pentecost, we, we associate with a new level of faith in Christ, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. In Nigeria, this Pentecost in 2020 was a new level of terror and the outpouring of evil and persecution against the church.
0: So go back to that. There's, there was a, a government helicopter?
1: Yes, hey. And this is what is interesting. The pastor says, uh, of the airport church that was attacked, said, listen, we we were told that the the terrorists were coming because what happens is on Sundays in the north, a few young kids stay out to um, stand watch to to alert people while uh, others are in worship if there's any attack. And so they were alerted, hey, attackers are on the way. So the church members hurriedly prayed shot down the church, and left, you know, to go into the bushes to hide. And the next thing, you know, this uh, convoy of bikers, uh, bandits on bikes, arrived. And guess what? They called in, literally, they called in Air Force reinforcements. And the Nigerian Air Force helicopter came in and was shooting the Christians who were hiding in the bushes from the air.
0: Why, yeah, so basically... why, though, I can't, I mean, I know we're going to get into why the government doesn't do a better job protecting the Christians, but now we're finding out they're actually, in some cases, actually involved in this?
1: Absolutely. And you see, we have received a similar report that happened in, uh, in 2017, December 2017. Again, I was in the country, and this happened in Adama State where the Nigerian Air Force went in and was shooting Christians who were defending themselves against the Fulani. I literally have photographs of the bombs that were dropped on the Nigerian Christian villagers by the Nigerian Air Force. Some of the bombs didn't explode and they were recovered by the Christians and we have the photographs who provided the evidence to the U.S. Congress. But since then, the You know tried to maybe they kept it quiet or they've not been as open about this in this particular case they shot at christians in 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 that community and what is even more shocking is that the nigerian uh, government has come out and confirmed that their helicopter was there but they are claiming that their helicopter was shooting the the attackers Now, what the Christian survivors have said is, no, they didn't shoot the attackers, and there's no single attacker who was shot or killed. But we lost 32, at least 32 Christians. So, I mean, how can you explain that?
0: You can't explain that because, I mean, it's difficult enough when we know that our brothers and sisters in Christ are left unprotected in some of these villages and these areas where you know they're identified and especially you know if it's one of the you know important days on the christian calendar whether it be christmas easter or the day of pentecost uh, which was uh, in june that's one thing but when the government is maybe i mean we've heard like kind of turning a blind eye or they were in the area but they didn't get orders from their commanders to go on and protect the christians i mean and that's horrible in itself there there needs to be a better job done and i know that's part of justice for joss and and putting pressure on the nigerian government to do more but when they're actually involved i mean that takes it to a whole new level and and again i the, the world community really needs to understand this is happening, because as you mentioned, 32 people in uh, in these villages in that area, state of Kaduna, uh, were killed. What are you trying to do? I know, Amanda, you, you're bringing attention to it, but there is there more pressure that can be exerted to some of the governments like the United States government or the government in Canada and Western nations?
1: Well, I mean... Like I said, we, some of us have been aware of the complicity of the government for years. And this is just the latest evidence that shows what is happening. But I'll tell you two things that will shock you uh, about you know, the U.S. response. The first U.S. response is that uh, the, the, a few days before the massacre, the Day massacre, the U.S. government issued a report saying, oh, There's no persecution going on in Nigeria. All of this is just, you know, uh, conflict over resources. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, people go to church on Sunday. You show up in the church. You don't abduct them for ransom. You don't even steal stuff from the church. You just kill them. What resource conflict could that potentially be? The only resource here was their faith and the only animals here was their faith so i i mean it 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 boggles the mind the second thing which is most shocking is that the u.s um uh, had representatives in nigeria uh you know at the same time you and i were there and they were there for consultations with the nigerian air force on defense cooperation okay and as soon as they leave, this massacre occurs with the helicopter of the Nigerian Air Force. And guess what? A few days later, another delegation of, from America was there offering to sell Nigeria another squadron of airplanes. Mm-hmm. So this government has just used its air force to kill its own citizens. And you're turning around and saying, you know, we'll sell you more things that's the situation we're dealing with right
0: now very very discouraging i mean this takes it even to a more dangerous level for our brothers and sisters in christ and, and we've already talked about an attack on believers in southwestern nigeria i mean the agenda is definitely to take the whole country and even in the christian south churches are going to be vulnerable there i mean it is it's a horrible situation it's getting worse. Uh, it's mind-boggling what's happening there. And before we move on to some other things I want to talk about, but uh, there was also a massacre in Benu State, uh, and that particular attack, very personal to you, Emmanuel.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, this was my community in uh, in and my tribe uh, in, in northern Nigeria, yeah. and it, it, it was so really... Uh, terrible uh what happened the pictures are you know too gory to 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 even share here and i decided to spare you you know the agony by not sending them to you uh in, in advance but again the Fulani showed up in the community and it was slash and burn and machete and shoot and they just left so much ruin and and death in their wake and uh uh, let me point out that this was the third major atrocity. So on June the 5th, we had two atrocities. Uh, and then that same week, we had this additional atrocity. Uh, you know, So in the space of one week, three major fatality atrocities in uh, North and South Nigeria by the Fulani headsmen alone. Let me also point out, Greg, and this is so so sad. In addition to these major atrocities, there are are more silent attacks going on. Um, We had last weekend, basically a week ago, the bishop of uh, Jeba in Quara State, the Anglican bishop, was abducted. The same day, a Catholic priest in Plateau State was abducted. Two days later, uh, the Celestial Church of Christ, they were having a midnight prayer Vigil, and they were attacked and some of the members were abducted. A pastor in Keby State was killed and then a pastor in Southern Kaduna was killed. So last week, all I've just shared with you was last week alone, yeah. five different um, abduction murder incidents, which are separate from the mass murder events uh, or atrocities I was talking about so nigeria is completely on a downward spiral right now and christians are being slaughtered at i want to compare to the early church levels where christians in rome literally had to hide in rocks and in caves and in caverns just to get away from being killed that's what is happening right now in nigeria
0: yeah, it is tragic, and and I know on the other side we we don't want to forget this. You know, I was recently in Nigeria, as you were, Emmanuel, and you hear the stories of how God is working. Many are coming to Jesus. Uh, many from Muslim backgrounds are coming into relationship with the Lord, and and we believe there's. I mean, this is a spiritual battle. We have to understand that yes, there's groups called the Boko Haram and Fulani herdsmen and Islamic State of West Africa, but you know what is fueling that? That, that there's the enemy and that's why we really need to be standing in prayer and i know for the believers there it just you know it causes so much discouragement uh there's a lot of fear there yes there are those brave ones that you know all die no matter what but you know also there's you know husbands wives and children that are being impacted every single day but again god is working we know that people are coming to know him and that you know that's why we don't just say okay just give up your faith and because this is real this is about eternity and Nigeria is a nation we need to continue to watch because God is working, and I mean it's happening not only in Nigeria but it has spilled into some of the other surrounding uh, countries as well. This is a desperate situation, and especially when you have you know major uh, global event by what is happening in Ukraine, that's where the attention tends to go. And well, yeah, Nigeria—that's always going on, but it just seems that there's just this blatant attack against the followers of Christ. It's 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 heartbreaking. And no ministries like the one I'm with, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, what you're doing, Emmanuel, and many others, our friends at Christian Faith Ministries, near Joss and Christian Solidarity Worldwide—great organizations getting there to try to help our brothers and sisters, the widows, the orphans, and to equip them, you know, to continue to advance the gospel. But it's heartbreaking. Now, when I was there, uh, I mean, again, we and we're going to pray in a few moments because that's the ultimate warfare that we can uh, be involved in. But uh, while I was there, there was a story came out, of a young 25-year-old uh, college student in education in Sokoto, uh, she was attacked by a mob on May 12th. Uh, rumors had spread that she had blasphemed Muhammad. They were on a WhatsApp group chat for their school. Uh, there was some going back and forth. And Deborah Emmanuel Yakubu, very strong, passionate believer, stood up for her faith and said, This WhatsApp is being used for school purposes, not to propagate Islam. And that's what some of the students apparently were doing. Uh, Also heard rumors that uh, one of the Muslim students was also interested in her romantically. Anyway, it had a horrible ending. She was killed. I mean, Emmanuel, this is a horrendous story. I know you're wearing a T-shirt. Uh, as well, and uh, w- I'm going to put that on the screen here for those that are watching. Uh, if you're listening, you can uh, go to voiceofthemartyrscanada.com and, uh, and go to the podcast section, you can see uh, the t-shirt that, that Emmanuel is wearing. But tell me more about that story, because this is not, an, it's isolated in one way, but it's not uncommon to what's taking place.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, this death of, uh, well, should I call it the murder By Burning Alive of Deborah is just the latest gruesome um, installment of persecution that uh, occurs in northern Nigeria. Um, You know, like you said, it was people inundating a WhatsApp group and saying, hey, you know, guys, you know, cut it out. This is for class, not for teachings about the Prophet." And that was all that they needed, Um, you know. And in northern Nigeria, there have been riots because there was a lunar eclipse. You know, Muslims came up and said, oh, the sins of the infidels has caused the moon to disappear. And they went around and they destroyed homes and killed Christians.
0: Emmanuel, do they actually believe that the Christians are responsible for the lunar eclipse and, and blaming it on them?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that's the level of ignorance and barbarism that we're dealing with and living with in northern Nigeria. I mean, this happened. This has happened actually a couple of times where after or during a lunar eclipse, they would say, hey, it was the sins of the infidels that caused the moon to disappear. And so they would go out and riot and kill people and destroy uh, their property. And so, we're dealing with people who are not connected to science, who are not connected to civilization, and who are not connected to progress. And that is a very little combination Mm -hmm. for people who are. And I don't know how we're going to solve this problem. Now, look at the death of Deborah, okay? Whatever the situation, if they felt she had broken the laws... She should have been charged to court, had her day in court and let the court decide what the facts are and what the consequences are. But somehow her own classmates decided they were judge, jury and God and they decided to roast her alive. That is not acceptable in any human community. It simply is not. We don't operate that way. Even animals don't treat themselves that way. And so we—we we, this is the crisis we're dealing with in northern Nigeria, where you have ten, you have over ten million out-of-school kids who are being raised, uh, you know, thinking that everyone who is not Muslim is an infidel and is worthy of being killed at will. Now, let's remember that those who killed Deborah were not unschooled kids. This were classmates in her own college. So, if people who are being educated could be that barbaric, what do you think the street uh, kids would be? Now, here's where it gets worse the state government arrested two uh, of the rioters. Remember that these people showed themselves on videos and bragged about right, yeah. how they brought the matches and the set up these only two people have been arrested and then people rioted and destroyed things and attacked the Catholic church because two people were arrested. And then when he was arraigned, when they were arraigned in court over 40 lawyers, including a professor of law, were jumping over themselves and falling over themselves to represent these two killers. That is the problem that we're facing in in northern uh, Nigeria today.
0: Yeah, you're, they're victimized twice. I mean, you think of uh, Deborah Emmanuel Yakubu's family. Not only have they lost their daughter, and then you heap on top of that uh, the injustice of those that you know responsible and uh, not even being likely prosecuted. And if they are, it'll probably be a light sentence. And and who knows what happens. So, what does that do? emmanuel because you're there a lot you're you know in nigeria you're in contact with the you know the people that are undergoing these attacks and trying to help what are they saying to you they are i mean what is their faith like and are they all wanting to leave the country or at least go to the south when again we're talking about maybe you know future attacks taking place there as well but how does that affect the church and and their ability to spread the gospel of jesus
1: well i mean you know uh, you know what the Bible says, that when there isn't justice for a crime, people are emboldened to impunity. Yes. And more and more people, actually about two other people have been born to death in Nigeria after the Deborah incident. And one of them was even in the capital city of Nigeria. So this has become an excuse or a ruse to take out people that you have issues with. Now, going back to, you know, your your previous question, let me point out something very key. In northern Nigeria, Muslim people go to their wealthier neighbors and say, hey, we would like to borrow money from you. Mm -hmm. And when the person says, well, when are you going to pay back? They said, oh, the next riot that we have will pay you back. Now, think about that for a second. That means there is a riot economy. There are people who make financial plans based on the next riots when they will attack and pillage the properties of Christians. And so any excuse gives them, you know, what they need to go out and strike. Now, I will say about the family of Deborah that, of course, you know, we reached out to try and see how we could, uh, you know, help. Uh, relocate them uh, out of the area and so on and so forth. But, you know, Greg, would you believe it? The pastor who was uh, in touch with them and who was to arrange that meeting for me, by the time I arrived in Nigeria, a few days after we spoke, he had been abducted. Mm. And as I speak to you now, uh, I think it's probably almost a month afterwards, he's still in captivity. Fortunately, some other people have, uh, you know, relocated them to southern Nigeria. But can you imagine, you know, like you said, they are doubly victimized. They lose their their daughter and they see no justice for their daughter. But it's actually triply victimized because now they have to relocate from their home, from their jobs, from their friends, their family, their community, and go into exile in southern Nigeria. This is the harsh reality of what is happening
0: to this? People. I have met you know many uh, leaders from you know northern part of Nigeria, uh, and you wonder if you're going to see them you know again in the future because of the you know the yeah. situation there. And yet, man, these are some of the bravest people I've ever met because they continue to go back into these communities because yeah. you know. And again, it takes an eternal perspective. Without that, there's no hope. And yeah. and we know you know when you read in the Psalms, you know what David and and some of the other psalmists were enduring is that god's justice eventually will take place yeah we pray it happens here that those that are you know burning down these churches and killing christians they would face justice on earth but if yeah. not here, it's going to happen in the future. And I, again, when you talk to believers and I was just there, uh, you know, talking to some of the widows and, you know, said, Hey, you know, if I die, I'm with the Lord. And I'm thinking, man, yeah. you know, that we can say, well, you know, absent from the body present with the Lord, but they, they really believe that. And they even yeah. such trauma. And yet so many of them are willing to continue to go forward and even meeting some of the Bible school students and those that are be training, uh, you know, in the central part of the country with a vision to go back and to preach the gospel in the North and start churches and do evangelism. I mean, it, it's amazing their faith. One of the things that I found interesting though, Emmanuel, uh, and disappointing is that often the churches in the Southern part of the country are not so willing to help financially and in, in other ways to their brothers and sisters in the North. Why, why is that happening? Uh, we've got, I mean, it's one thing, okay, I'm in Canada. And I speak to persecuted Christians all across the nation. And there's a, there can be a disconnect, you know, whether they're in Africa, but they're not that far away in many cases where these things are going on. Why is the church in the South not being more uh, proactive in helping our brothers and sisters in the North?
1: Yes, that is part of the latent, um, you know, problem that we have. In fact, it's, it's even worse than the church in the South not being interested. But their indifference actually has a terrible effect on the advocacy for the persecuted. Because 90% of Nigerians you meet in Canada or the United States are from Southern Nigeria. And when they're not talking about the persecution in the North, when they're not interested, the average uh America, canadian or american who has been reached by our outreach speaks to the nigerian they know at work hmm. and that one doesn't know so it makes it sound like well it can't be real or if they don't care why should i care so they're doing great damage you know to the persecuted in nigeria Well, here, here's how it even gets worse We have an uh, American televangelist televangelist who jet into Nigeria, go to the south, have a great big camp meeting. A million people show up in Lagos uh, for two nights of revivals or crusades. And they jet back to the U.S. and splash in their home churches and say, hey, look at what I did. I did a great job preaching in Africa. Look at all the people that came. And they never speak about the persecution in the north. And their congregations are unfortunately misled to believe that everything is rosy and fine in Nigeria. No, No, it isn't. And so for those of us who speak up about this, it's a hard, hard task. I can tell you that in most of the, there are over a thousand Nigerian churches in the US. I can tell you that I doubt if up to 10% of them spoke about the massacre in, you know, in in Ondo on Pentecost Day. I doubt that they did that. Why? They're too busy being American and trying to be American and not speaking out for the persecuted. That's why you and I have a vital role where we're standing in the gap, feeling uh, a need that those who should be speaking up and doing are not doing.
0: Yeah, it, it's an uphill battle, Emmanuel. But uh, you and I feel God's calling, uh, you know, to be doing this kind of work. I, you know, I'm planning on going back in the very near future to do some teaching on the theology of persecution and discipleship. And sometimes it feels odd for a guy coming from Canada uh, to be able to, you know, teaching in in areas where this is happening. But it's it's the it's the what the Bible teaches, and it's unfortunate that. You know, parts of the you know church in southern Nigeria and, and, and other places in the world have gotten caught in this prosperity gospel, and it's ignoring the bad stuff that's going on. And I mean, all you have to do is read the Bible, and, and you see how the church came about. You know, we're talking about Pentecost Sunday, and then the persecution that immediately fell on the church has been going on for 2,000 years yeah. We'll keep praying. Uh, we'll keep supporting our brothers and sisters. We'll, you know, challenge, uh, you know, churches in Canada of all different kinds of ethnic groups. And I have friends uh, in Canada, the pastors from Nigeria, and I'll continue to uh, talk to them. And I know many of them are concerned. So, you know, we we're going to say there are those that are concerned about what is happening in Nigeria. But yeah. it's bigger than us. It's 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 the body of Christ, and that's something that we need to. To remember, yes. I mean, we've talked about a number of things and there's other things. We'll, we'll we'll have you back on the podcast here soon again, Emmanuel. Um, but before we leave, um, I just want you to pray uh, for Nigeria. There's so many things that are going on right now in that nation and we need to be aware of them. We'll continue to bring them to you on the Voice of the Martyrs. That's why we would say, you know, uh, sign up for the newsletter. You can go to vomcanada.com, hear what's happening Not only the persecution, but also the incredible faith that uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ have all over the world, including in Nigeria. Uh, We have what's called the Persecution and Prayer Alert that comes out each week. You can go to our website or you can have it automatically sent to your email. Many of the stories that we are covering, including the ones that we've been talking about today, we have on the Persecution and Prayer Alert. And encourage you to be praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because, Emmanuel, one of the things that is so important is the prayer aspect and when we do pray the holy spirit then moves upon our hearts to do something right
1: absolutely now let me mention something before we close and this should give us you know something to pray about now nigeria just had presidential primaries while you know we're out there and one of the people who is running to be president um issued a tweet condemning the killing of Deborah. And within 24 hours, he turned around, deleted the tweet, and fired his assistant, claiming that the tweet was not author- authorized. Oh boy, That guy has now been nominated by his party to be president next year. This is someone who couldn't take a stand on a tweet to condemn the killing of Deborah. So you can imagine what will happen in Nigeria if we continue to have presidents who don't care about religious freedom and the lives of Christians in that country. And that is why this is a key season for us to raise up prayers for Nigeria's forthcoming twenty twenty three presidential elections.
0: Yes, they're very important elections. Fact I you know, was talking to some of the believers when I was there and how important that they feel these elections are. I mean, every election is important, but it just seems at a time where things have gotten so violent and these just blatant attacks against the followers of Jesus and others that go against what uh, the Boko Haram are doing. I mean, even Muslims, we know that are being killed there as well. But the targeting of Christians is absolutely horrendous. And at times, you know, it's another attack, another attack. And I was just sharing, actually, and we're going to go into prayer, but I was leading the devotional the other day with the Voice of the Martyrs in Canada and and talking about Pentecost Sunday. You know, I was in a church in Winnipeg in the middle part of Canada, and we were celebrating the Holy Spirit coming and starting what we call the church. It's been going on for 2,000 years, and there was a joyous, uh, you know, feeling within the congregation Had I known what had happened just a few hours before in Nigeria with these two attacks on these churches in different parts of the country, it certainly would have affected me and I think would have affected many believers. But one part of the world, we have this freedom, and another part, our brothers and sisters are being killed. But we are one body, and when one part of the body suffers, the Bible says, we all suffer. And, and a part of what we do is to pray. So Emmanuel, can you lead us in prayer as we remember our brothers and sisters in Nigeria? and and again, and as you're listening to this podcast go man this this is so discouraging. I don't even think I can handle this anymore hearing about this. it is just the reality of what's happening. And, and again, I want to emphasize that the reason these things go on is because God is moving. There's persecution, but there's many coming to know Jesus. There's miraculous things happening. I mean, I've met so many Muslims and and you as well, Emmanuel, that have left Islam and they're now following Jesus. They're passionate about their faith in Christ. So let's remember there are those things happening, but also that there are many suffering. Many families uh, are being destroyed because of this hatred and this violence. But we can go to our God as we are going to right now and ask him to intervene in this situation. Emmanuel?
1: Yes. And, you know, just... uh... A good report from this trip, I got to meet again with a widow um, who was left for dead in 2007 and whose family, you know, had been killed. And guess what? After 14 years, she found one of her children alive and was reunited with him. And that's just the amazing power of God intervening in what would otherwise be a hopeless situation so God is still doing great miracles in the midst of the misery Uh, let's take a moment to pray at this time yes dear heavenly father we come before you with really heavy hearts and your word says we should cast our cares upon you because you care for us Thank you God that we have not just a powerful God, not just a miraculous God, not just a loving God, but a caring God. Mm -hmm. And you care so much that you said we should bring our burdens and lay them at your feet. And so we approach the throne of grace today and ask for grace for a time of need. Father, we cry out for the... um, victims of all of these atrocities, their families. And we ask the Holy Spirit comfort that you will comfort them with your peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we pray for those in hospital. We ask for your healing. We pray for those who've lost their homes. We ask for um, your provision. Lord, we pray uh, against continuing attacks. Lord, we pray for your justice for the shed blood of the martyrs. We pray for your consolation for the family of Deborah. We pray for Leah and many others in captivity. Lord, undertake for them, be with them, um, strengthen them, protect them, and ultimately free them. Lord, we thank you for the news of the two uh, Chibok who were found last week after eight years in captivity lord Lord, we know that you can yet bring them out we pray for docas who has been in captivity for eight years and this month is her birthday we trust you lord also that we will see her and receive her in due season Yes, so lord we just ask that you strengthen the faith of your children in Northern Nigeria and even now in the South where these atrocities have come. We, we see no way out of this. Um, But Lord, our eyes on you help us and deliver us. Hosanna with Christ. Save now in Christ's name. We pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Emmanuel. Um, On the show notes, uh, if you're listening or watching, uh, I'll put information there how you can find out more about Justice for Joss, uh, the Voice of the Martyrs website as well, vomcanada.com, and uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, we're not here just to try to build up this audience or anything like that. Our goal is to bring awareness to our persecuted brothers and sisters in countries like Nigeria, and you can go on and rate the podcast, and it just you know gets out there. More people will find out about it because we want to pray, we want to help. And, you know, through ministries like the Voice of the Martyrs, Justice for Joss, and some of the partners that we have, I've mentioned Christian Solidarity Worldwide, Nigeria, Christian Faith Ministries, and others that we have worked with over the years to help. Now, when I was uh, recently in Nigeria, Emmanuel, one of the ideas there is to help build a trauma center uh, with Christian Faith Ministries, and we'll be featuring that later this year on 100 Huntley Street. But so many of these women and girls, they have been so traumatized, and I didn't even get into some of the stories of things I've heard, Um, and yet in the middle of trauma and evil, God is doing amazing things, and so we're able to help in a practical way, and so I would encourage you to be praying for the persecuted church around the world in Nigeria and other places, and then also to help practically. Again, we're not here in this Voice of the Martyrs, Justice for Joss. We're not fundraising organizations. We're... Trying to help our brothers and sisters in Christ. But reality is, it does take finances to help. And one of the cool things that happened while I was in Nigeria is I met a lady named Amina who's working with Justice for Joss, Christian Solidarity Worldwide, and then the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, uh, you know, getting the funds there and uh, working with our partners at Christian Faith Ministries. And, and after hearing so many difficult stories, Emmanuel, it was so beautiful to say, you know what, there are believers that are working together for the cause of Christ in Nigeria. And I know for me that brought hope. And then again, hearing some of the, the testimonies, of uh, yeah. of god's amazing power so thank you for all you're doing and uh love working with you brother and uh looking forward to being on a trip when we'll actually maybe be uh together and uh to be experiencing uh, you know the the fellowship of the believers in nigeria
1: thank you so much Craig.
0: i appreciate you and uh, we'll, we'll again talk to you soon and remember the closer you are to jesus the closer you are to the fire